Goodnix explores the journey and meaning of doing good in the world. I get to choose every day when I wake up whether I'm going to work for a Fortune 500 and make a ton of money or work for the movement that is the arc of moral justice. But I realized that I also had an obligation to weaponize my privilege. One day we said, okay, if the city's not going to do it, the state's not going to do it, if some large corporation's not going to do it, why not us? And if there were enough of you, if you were organized enough, if you were loud enough, it would be too difficult for them to ignore you. Good Nix, created by Jeff Leitner, hosted by Annalisa and Relay, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Neely, I have two problems. What are those? I really love the show on professional development, and I have a big blank spot on my chest where my shirt is. First of all, the first one doesn't sound like a problem. I mean, it's so much love, I can't contain it. And you also have, what, a blank spot on your chest? Yeah, where my shirt is. You never grew chest hair? Obviously not. Oh, I know what you should do. You should go to this link in the show notes and get an unprofessional development t-shirt. Gasp! That sounds like exactly what I needed for this premise. So boys and girls, we have t-shirts. We have magnets. We have buttons. Show your unprofessional love. That way you'll get to know who your fellow unprofessionals are when you're walking down the hallway and go, Oh, you listen to that too? Be an unprofessional representative. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very heartfelt episode of Unprofessional Development. I'm Tedisco. And I'm Mealy. And today we have with us um, Anthony Colanino. Um, I think I said how, that right. How close um, was he? he oh, right on. You nailed Thank it. Thank you, Colanino. Nice. Okay. All right. So um, <laughs> you put the emphasis on the right syllable. Okay. Exactly. But anyway. Exactly. He is a teacher, principal, uh, author, which we're going to get into, and all those things. So um, we appreciate you being here. You doing good today? Oh, I'm doing great today. Doing I great. appreciate you guys having me on. All right. So um, we always try to like have like little analogies or little uh, writing prompts. So describe your education journey as a walk through the woods. I thought about saying with like w- while you're escorting a blind person, I didn't know if that was like ableist or not. So I don't know. But anyway, you're walking through the woods, describing everything you see on your journey as, as, you, as you're going through education. So however you want to go with that analogy is, is up to you. Oh, wow. Let's go. Come on. I'm in the land of Walden over here, so I okay. should be able awesome. to do this, right? Nice. So, and I grew up in a very interesting uh, neighborhood, dead end block, about 13 boys around my age within two to three years of one, one another, surrounded by woods. Oh, wow. So we did many, many journeys into the woods, building forts, getting uh-huh. into trouble, pushing Lighting each other Lighting fires, maybe? Did you light fires? Yeah, we did. lit. of course we did. You're pyros, absolutely, <laughs> when you're a kid. <laughs> we did all kinds of things back did there. Did everybody make it home by the time the lights got on? That, hey, listen, and my name echoed down the block if I wasn't home by the time the lights got <laughs> <went> on. Anthony! <laughs> my mother would call that name. And if you don't know from around here, there was a prince spaghetti commercial with the kid named anthony Martinetti. oh yes wednesdays are prince spaghetti day and they would yell that name on the commercial about the time i was that age so man nice. i heard that all the time so <laughs> so the woods were a place that we would hide out go whatever but you know when you think about the woods it's uh you know it's a place of wonder it's a place of mystery it's a place to be explored uh it's better usually when you're with friends mm-hmm. uh there's trees there's underbrush there's water there's muck there's mire and this rocky terrain we had and it was um you know when i went by myself to be quite honest with you as a kid i'd be afraid mm-hmm. in the woods by myself you know was there bigfoot in here or are there people i shouldn't bump into in here are there older kids partying here who i shouldn't be around uh so we did that and we went in together but we definitely got into some mischief, had some fun. But when you think about education, if you connect the metaphor, mm-hmm. man, I don't know. It's, it is a wonder. It is a mystery. You get stuck in the muck and mire. You get wet some days. You fall in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think it's going to go great and you trip and fall and hit your head, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's all of that for me. And I've been on this journey now for 24 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always kind of delights when you find the wonder in it and the mystery in it. There we go. Excellent. That's great. Now, in the, in those 24 years, how much time did you spend like teacher in the classroom? How much did you spend administration? I was seven years teacher, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I taught in Boston. My first gig was in Boston. I was hired uh, two days before school started. 
Nice. As a fifth grade teacher at the <laughs> largest elementary school in Boston at the time, a thousand oh kids, K to five, three floors. Oh my. O- open concept. You guys know what that open concept means? Like very few walls? Yeah. So uh, one of your, I had a, a concrete wall on one side, a concrete wall at the back where my board was, then a movable wall that I could open into the next classroom if I, if I wanted to. Uh-huh. And, the, and the back wall, gentlemen, was the hallway where kids walked all day because that wow. room right next to me was the music room. So no door and the music room's not right there. And guess what? And guess what? what? The music teacher applied for the job I got and nobody told me. So to start the school year, the music oh. was really, really loud. Oh, man. Oh so he wasn't someone who goodness. wanted to be a music teacher. He just happened to be thrown into the music department because there was no music teacher. She wanted my job that I got. Oh, wow. Oh, my and goodness. So, and so uh, that's why I taught in Boston and Cambridge, seven uh-huh. years in fifth grade. And then I was uh, 11 years as an uh, elementary school principal in uh, towns around Boston, uh, Woburn, Waltham, Wellesley. Uh, I don't know if that means anything to anybody. Not, but Not to me, but yeah, but to somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Gloucester, too. Gloucester, Mass. So they filmed uh, they film all the Wicked Tunas up there. So, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, lots of different places, uh, okay. affluence, middle-class poverty, all right. in that. All right. So a lot of people say, man, I've written the book on education. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've actually written a book on education. Yes, sir. All right. So Amelia and I talk about this all the time. Amelia always jokes that he's going to uh, write a book. Amelia, what's the title of your book? Shut the door and teach. Yeah. So. <laughs> What our question is, so to anybody out there listening, how do you know if you have a book in you? Like, how do you know that that you actually have what it takes to put together a full book? Because that's that's quite an undertaking. I totally agree. Totally agree. And you have the idea we have a book. And so for me, before I was a delayed vocation, I wasn't in education right off the bat. I was a newspaper reporter and editor before I got an education. So I had the writing bug, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I took uh, typing junior high school, Mr. Tracy, God love him, taught (laughs) me how to type ASD, you know, that home row JKL semicolon. So I could type really fast. Uh, I could write fast. I never stopped writing. When I became a principal, I would send my staff a TGIF message every Friday. Uh, Something I noticed, something I saw, something inspirational, something about myself, 500 to a thousand words. Wow. Gentlemen, Every Friday for 36 weeks for 11 years, I have staff who I see them now. I haven't seen them for 10, 12, 15 years. They'll say to me, do you remember that? You wrote about picture day on one TGIF? And I go, uh, no. ma- maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. So people that, yeah, that helps people understand who I was as a leader, who I was as a person. I'm a writer as a person too. So I feel like I have that part. Did you me. give them an out by the way? Because there's some people who they, reading, they would they would feel like they had to read the 500 to a thousand words on on a Friday, and they'd be like, "That's the last thing they want to do on 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 a Friday is <laughs> is is do that." So did they did they have an out? They did not have to read it. Okay, okay. they're quote unquote a captive audience, but that doesn't mean anybody gonna read anything, right? Right. So, right. so uh, some, were your observations that long too? <laughs> No. Oh God, no. No, 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 no. Oh, absolutely not. We keep those short and sweet and to the point. And so to Beautiful. the book point, you know, like I became a consultant about seven years ago. And we and when I became a consultant, one of my buddies in Wellesley, Mass., which is a very affluent suburb of Boston, uh, one of my buddies, Jeff, said to me, Anthony, just tell your stories. Just tell your stories. All of us have stories. Mm-hmm. And so I've been telling my stories for seven years now. I work with a company that they wanted me to write a book. They're owned by Houghton Mifflin Hardcore. I said, I got a book. I got my stories. But not only my stories, I get stories of 12 other leaders in here who I learned from along the way. So to me, it was just the kind of recipe was right. It was all right there. But writing is hard, even as someone who came from a writing background. Because when an editor says to you, you don't need those 500 words about that. It's not helping me. And like, but those are my 500 words. <laughs> Don't yes. take my 500 words yeah. away. And yeah. it's like, you've got to be open to the process. You got to be able to kill your babies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it yes. took, I wrote with an editor, I think it was 20 straight weeks. Wow. Wow. This is barely related, but I, but, but I think it's, I think it's helpful for other people who might be considering writing a book. Because Tedisco, like uh, behind the scenes, Tedisco is the editor. And I don't, I don't know how that um, goes. I've, I've told him um, recently, like, if it doesn't, 
suit the whole podcast. It doesn't matter if like I told like what I thought was a funny story or had had a had a little turn of phrase, or whatever, like that that I thought was cute or or insightful or whatever. Like if it if it's dragging the rest of the thing down, that 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 has to be gotten rid of. Um, I'm gonna take that whole piece out, by the way. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was kind of rambling now. But there was, I had someone that was, I was listening to on another podcast and they were talking about um, how they had come up at Saturday Night Live and how that w- really, really helped them because cr- come up with so much stuff from the beginning of the week to the end of the week. And it's but it's got to fit in at 90 minutes. And sometimes it even gets as far as dress rehearsal. And they realize like, oh, that that just that take that takes too long. And they've edited it and they've done all this kind of stuff. And it's like, OK, but no, that 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 will never see the light of day. It, it probably won't make it to the next episode or whatever. And um Sometimes we need to like have that way with our our lesson plans as well. I, I've I've I believe I've shared this before, but um, I, I love sharing because I think it's true. I spent a whole lot of time on this one lesson plan, and I came in with my buddy who was who taught the same subjects. And I'm like, well, we're going to do this, and the kids are going to do this, and they're going to blah blah blah. And it was all these like little bells and whistles, and the kids me, you know, I can't remember what it was. They're going to like run around in circles and climb up on ladders and whatever they were going to do. You know, what I mean, it was going to be awesome, right? And, he's, and he looks at me, he's like, so. Um, but how is that going to help them learn this thing here? That is like the thing that we're trying to get them to learn that day. I'm like, but I don't know, but they're going to be up on the ladders and they're going to run around in circles. And they're going to have a good time and there's going to be like markers and colors and things. And, you know, and it's be, you know, they're going to, and they're going to share, there's going to be stations and things. He's like, yeah, but, but like, we need to get them to learn this. And that, that there's going to be that, that piece there that needs to go away. And maybe if we just take this and do this. And so I'm sure as, as an author, it, it has to feed the, the, the um the the whole concept so that's 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 tough and we we as educators we have to constantly um do that and edit ourselves go ahead what are you gonna say i, I was just gonna say you're exactly right it's like this idea of like some of my stories didn't make it in didn't fit into the, into the framework we had a framework like you do with lesson plans okay mm-hmm. and so um i had to fit the framework how many words per chapter um how many pages i had these little little call out boxes even the title leading mm-hmm. with head and heart was not my first choice and so it was this idea of like can you really write the book without a title and how does it all connect and how am I going to convey something to my readers who I'm writing for who I have no idea who they are right I have no idea so my audience is leaders uh inspiring leaders my it's it's building leaders it's central office like I try to put things in here that can help every kind of leader and teachers are leaders in their classroom right they're really interested Taking that step from classroom to principal, mm-hmm. that's when I found out what public education was really about. Yeah. I didn't know until I did that. And it was it a lot of it's not pretty. Yeah. yeah. The the yeah. original title was The Departed, but someone else from Boston took it. <laughs> <laughs> the Departed. That's how we there say we it go. up here, friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's good stuff. Let's let's break down that whole that whole head and heart thing. So um, I think like intuitively being, oh, okay, yeah, like head, I think, and heart, I feel, and all that kind of stuff. But talk to me about um, how and to our listeners how you integrate those together. How to know when to rely on one and how to when to rely on another. When we're um, whether we're leading, we're educating, we're coming up with a lesson, we're we're just living the day to day life as um, as an educator. So that's a very good question. So, you know, when I got into leadership, I'll never forget my first day. Uh, everyone's in their classroom. Everyone's got their supplies. I'm all staffed up. Uh, it's a small school, about 300 kids, high poverty area. Um, and I look at my secretary and I say, now what? <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. And my first now what uh-huh. was a kid who, who was in the book, Paul. He showed up in my office on a bench outside my office this mm-hmm. first day of school, of kindergarten. Day one. Wow. Day one kindergartner and i'm like bold yeah so now i gotta relate to this kid i gotta figure out how to help him how to serve him mm-hmm. how to get him back in class why is he here anyway on the first day what's right. up with the teacher come right. on give me a break right but yeah. those are the things that you're faced with in leadership and if you don't have some semblance of values what you value okay mm-hmm. so easy one for me you guys same thing right do what's best for kids yeah you think that would be easy to translate and communicate to people I'm going to tell you right now, sending a kid out of class on the first day of class, 
that's not what's best for kids. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So that, that sets blood, the tone for the whole year. Right. Unless there's blood or like <laughs> urine or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Some bodily fluid that needs some cleaning up from him or her <laughs> in the floor. Right. Yes. And maybe the whole classroom leaves the whole nine right. yards. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm in this situation and you, you are stuck with these situations of conflict. Okay, mm-hmm. I say this to I coach principals from all across the country yeah. and we talk about conflict all the time and how they manage it and how they respond to it, how they avoid it. So this idea of values being derived from your head and your heart, right? What you know is right, what you and then what you have to do to make it right. So I think that's the difference between head and heart. My heart is I know what's right. I know what's best. And that went from child to staff to even professional development, my friends. That was one of my core values. I would say it has to be meaningful, purposeful, intentional, and has to be something that comes out of this. Because like you two, I sat through ones where I was degraded, was boring, and I never got anything out of it. <laughs> so I try to remember that as a leader, I try to never forget those lessons. Yeah. So this idea of head and heart is what is best, what is right? And then how do I formulate the plans either on the fly or how do I prepare those plans and then execute those plans? Um, and I think. I don't think we step forward with either or. Of course, there's some instances, kids crying, right? You kind of lean in with your heart on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a combination of how we approach those conflicts in the classroom, in the school, in the department, wherever you're sitting, right? Because if we don't manage them well, we lose people along the way. Can I be honest, though? Like, all right, so when you say lead with the heart and you say we know what's right, I agree that that's true, but I also think that when I'm getting the weeds, when it's a week before spring break, when I'm exhausted and all the the papers on my desk keep piling up and I can't find the strength to grade them, I, I forget what's right. Like throughout the, I do like, there are definitely times throughout the year where I'll just, I'll I'll act or react or, 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 or handle a problem a certain way. And then a week later, I'll be like, why did I do that? So, cause we are all by nature selfish. We're just all human, like right. Yes, and yeah. and when you get exhausted, you're not you're just running on your reptilian brain at that point. So, yes. what did you do in the tough times to to help yourself or to help like the teachers around you to just remind people what was right? Because I need those reminders. And there you go. We need reminders. Okay. And I have to. I had to recall when I didn't do things well and right, and then translate that to my staff. Okay. Or when things were done to me that I didn't like. I became a principal. Because you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I complained about the principles I had. I didn't respect them. They were okay people. They weren't great leaders. So this idea of being reminded what's right. Okay. So, you know, I'm in Boston. In Boston's a lot of schools, huge busing. We had a late arriving school meeting, nine o'clock elementary start, right? By the second month, I had a student come early every day, made her mother bring her. Okay. She wanted to be in class with me. And one day she's kind of complaining about she doesn't see her dad. Her dad's sick. And she's a city kid, right? She's in fifth grade. So I'm giving her like a buck up kind of talk, like just, you know, toughen up. You can do this. And I'm not paying attention to her. It's just her and I in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And after about two or three minutes, I look up at that child and she's in tears. Mm -hmm. And I feel like extremely, extremely small because I didn't stop to notice. Yeah. And so to your point, as a principal, I made sure I was available. I was in the building. My door was open, you know, and I, and I checked in on people. When people didn't look right or look sad or they were dragging, I didn't just let them go by me. I'd say, hey, what's going on? Everything all right? You look, you look like you're carrying the, the weight of the world today. And I would do it with kids too. And mm-hmm. I would just ask them, hey, is everything okay? And just that moment of acknowledgement where people could say to me, and I let them say, it's not going good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say, Anthony, it's not going good because it's something you've done. And I'd be, <laughs> okay, let's bring it on. Let's talk about this. So that level of acknowledgement and then just those reminders about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what's the effect. Mm-hmm. What we're doing, why we're doing it, what's the effect. And what's the effect we really want to have on kids. Yeah. And we all get caught in the frustrating moments. I did as a teacher. I did things I should have never done. Never done. Mm-hmm. And I had things done to me that I should never have done. So what happens when you're brand new the first year? You get all the tough kids. From five fourth grades, half mm-hmm. my rooms ki- half my rooms kindergarten furniture, okay, mm-hmm. and and I got the toughest kids. I don't call the office once. My 
my principal breezes through my building for five minutes one day, I get professional status that first year because I didn't send anybody to the office. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Second year I'm there, I got a kid who's oppositional defiant disorder. That's you know, that's a battle every single day. Yep. I called once and nobody came. Mm. And right in that moment, gentlemen, I made the decision. I am leaving this place. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when I became a principal, when anybody asked for my assistance, I dropped everything I was doing and I mm-hmm. showed up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, that is a tough line. I think that, um, whether you're a new teacher, a couple of years, whatever, and that, and we, we've had this discussion before, you want to make having the kid taken away by security or whoever does it at your school or being, you know, just having them sent to the office as infrequent as possible. And if possible, not at all. And that's because, I mean, there's times, like we said, there's, there's something happening and there's a safety issue. Yeah. There's just sometimes, or you as a, as a, as a human is to this go saying, you just know, I can't last another hour with that other human in this room i'm not gonna be able to serve these other 25 or 30 and i might not want to have been the teacher that i might lose my job (laughs) right so they've got to be out of there today so that i can function the next you know Uh the next hour but I, i do agree that like it sets the tone both for like what the kids think about you, you know what I mean? And, you know, whether they think that you're weak and you can't control kids, whether they think that you're just someone who is going to be always sending them out and doesn't care about them or whatever it is, it's, it's, it generally what happens afterwards is, is not positive. Unless like, like I said, unless it's something that you just, there's certain situations where it just becomes an issue that you have to do it. What were we going to say? I was just going to say, absolutely. So when you think of when I, you know, connected to the heart, right? What do we want as human beings? We want to know that other people care for us. And we want to know they especially care for us in a time of need. So that means as an adult or as a child. So, right. Mm -hmm. So, and I made the mistakes. I I made them all. Oh yeah. uh, I made them. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a fifth grade teacher, right? So I go to Cambridge, cross the river from Boston. Mm -hmm. I get the toughest kids again. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and we're making relationships. I care about kids. I want to know them. I know them. When I became a principal, the only rule, the only thing I told my staff, my students and the community was, I will know every kid's name by Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh Four buildings. I never failed. I never fail because I mm. want to know everybody because that means I can help you if I know you. Right. Was it flashcards or mnemonics? Did you create a song? Oh, my, my man. Look, at some kids, I just couldn't get it, right? So I asked <laughs> them and they'd be like, you asked me that, Mr. Colony, like 12 times. I know I just can't get your name yet. I got to get your name. So I would practice and practice being the calf, be at recess, you know, yeah. morning dismissal, yeah. have duties, whatever. So it's this idea that, right? But mm. I'm going to say I was frustrated one time in a fifth grade class right? Coming in for recess, just complete bonkers. I got a pile of papers in my hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them to knock it off and quiet down in a nice way. Okay. In a respectful way. And they're not, I take all like 200 of those papers. <sighs> I threw them straight into the air. Gen- gen- gentlemen, I walked out of the door. I walked out the classroom because I knew I needed to remove myself. Nice. I closed the door behind me. And this was a long building K to eight. So I walked all the way down to the K wing. Right in the middle. Then I walked by my classroom all the way to the eighth grade room. Oh and then I came back. All right. Now, who knows? What could, I was gone for a couple of minutes. I could have lost my job right there. Right. I, I opened the door slowly and quietly. I had calmed down now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I walked into the classroom. All 25 kids got a book on their desk reading. <laughs> I got a pile. All those papers are neatly piled on my teacher's seat. Okay. And I said to the kids, I appreciate that. Thank you for getting to work. I'm still not ready to, to teach you. I still need a few more minutes. I'll let you know when I'm ready. And they were fine. Wow. Mm-hmm. But And Did- how great that is a modeling behavior for them. Like when a kid's really frustrated, how, how wise would it be for them to just take a breath and say, I need a minute and I'm not ready. Right. Like that, that's awesome. That's exactly what kids need. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and I was gonna say that kid that, and there's some teachers that get frustrated. He asked me to, or she asked me to go to the bathroom like every single day. Da, 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 I'm tired of asking this. It's like, no, they're not asking you to the bathroom. They're, they just, they need to get out and get some fresh air because their personality, their, 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 whatever's going on in their life, you know, these days sitting in the room for that long in a row is, is, is not working for them. And so they just need to go and do whatever they need to do and come on back. 
Guys, I went to three hour administrative meetings, three <laughs> hours. Oh. You think I sat in that meeting? I'll tell you what I did. I stood up, I stood in the back, I went to the bathroom. Then I do little walkabouts. One of them was in the high yep. school. I'd go see the superintendent secretaries. We chat for a little while. I did this so often, gentlemen, that one of my superintendents said to me, Anthony, where do you go? I'm like, I can't do it. Like <laughs> three hours. I can't like, yeah, stop. it's ridiculous. Right. Stop. Nobody wants to, I didn't say this, no. but nobody wants to listen to you for three hours. So no I was, one does. No I was reprimanded. I stayed yeah. in. I just stood up more mm-hmm. or play oh tic-tac-toe with my neighbor. Right. Oh my goodness. So I got, I got, I got two things. Yeah. All right. First one is, um, I found out that they're doing this at my school and I think it's really cool and I think other principals should do it. So I just want to share it. Okay. So, um, and it can be anyone. It happens to be the, um, the honors art society, right? So it's a high school and we're pretty talented artists. So every week they draw a picture of the principal. Okay. So it might be in a different style or whatever. And then they take that picture and they hide it somewhere on campus. And they, it is the principal's job to find the picture on campus. <laughs> so like, it's not like hidden, like under a desk, like it's on a wall or displayed yeah, somewhere. It's all my, this week it was all, it's all my whiteboard. He didn't find it by the way, this week. And they, they take like, um, five or six pictures, um, like from a zoom in to a zoom out to kind of like give him like, and they like throw it up on Instagram as like a clue. So first you just see like the picture and then you might see a little bit more of the room or the, so, but it forces him to like go throughout the school, you know, it, it does. The, I was going to say that one, it forces him to go throughout the school. Number two, it humanizes him. Right. Right. It humanizes right. him and it lets him someone else has to represent him, make a representation of him. Mm-hmm. So you have to be open to that. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So that's a good one. I, 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 I was doing, you can, you can steal that. Okay, I, that's I, yours. I, I think it's a great idea. I do uh culture surveys with principals now. And mm-hmm. one of my questions is if your principal, a, a fictional or historical character, who would he or she be? Right. And so the principals, I show the principals, the questions first, they have to be open to that. Yeah. Cause that's an open door to, I don't really like you. I love you. I don't really know you. And yeah. so, you know, it's really interesting that they do that. I like that. Yeah. Um, and the second one is, um, and it can either be a teaser or a spoiler. So we can edit this part or whatever. The the little boy that, that on the first day that uh, the kindergarten, that got sent to the room. Like, what's the um, what's the rest of that story? All right. So I'm sitting. The bench is about eight feet long. OK, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. mine. It was left by the person previous yeah. to me. So he's at one end. So I go sit at the other end. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I just sit, I just sit for like, maybe like 60 seconds, two minutes. And then I look over him. I go, Hey buddy. And he looks at me. He's got kind of like tears in his eyes. He's upset. He's out of class. It's first day of school. Right. And he goes, hi. And so I scooch, <laughs> I, I scooch over, right? I scooch halfway down and I go, so tell me what's, what's, what's going on. I'm, I'm Mr. Colonino. What's your name? And uh, you know, I won't use his real name. I think right. I, I give him the name Paul in the book. He goes, my name's Paul. I'm in kindergarten. So I scooch a little closer to him. And I go, now I'm next to him. I said, all right, Paul, I'm the principal. You and I are going to get to know one another. This is great. And we're going to talk. And then I'm going to send you back to class. And I'll walk in with you and we'll figure it out. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Paul, can you tell me what's, what's going on? Can you tell me wh- you know, why you're here or why you think you're here or, or what's the problem? Gentlemen, he looks right at me earnestly and looks at me. He goes, Mr. Colin, you know, it's rules, rules, rules. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, this is the first day of 180. Nice. I know that I am going to be spending a lot of time with Paul. Yes. Paul and I are going to become friends. Yes. Paul and I are going to talk skills and strategies. I'm there going to be go. working with that teacher. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I see Paul occasionally and have met him in his life. Okay. And Paul is successful. Paul graduated from a Vogue Tech high school. Mm-hmm. He works in automotive. He works on a farm. Him and I posed for a selfie together like three years ago at the Veterans Day Parade where he was and where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. So that investment in him helped me become a better leader. And I know it helped him in some respect as well. Wow. Amen. That's awesome. That's Amen. what it's all about. There you go. There you rules, go. Rules. But like rules. that teacher could have handled that. 
Yeah. Then, yeah. And so what, okay. So what happens when you become a leader, you bump into people who don't know what to do mm -hmm. and you have to sometimes tell them massage it a little bit. Sometimes you got to give it to them straight and sometimes you got to reprimand them. Yeah. And, and nobody wants to do that unless you're kind of like a hard ass. Right. Right. Uh, and you don't really have people who follow you if you're a hard ass hundred percent of the time. Okay. No. So it's that idea of what happens when we're in that conflict and mm -hmm. I walk by your room and you're screaming at a kid. Yeah. Do I knock on the door and ask you to come out? Do I wait for later? Like, who are you? Depends on our relationship. Depends yeah. on how long you've yeah. been there. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, very interesting. And I've known some really good teachers who are really tough on their kids like that, mm -hmm. but their kids also know that they love them. Like, like it, you can have that kind of dynamic in a classroom. You can make that work. So mm -hmm. it's also tough to make assumptions as a principal, unless you're like in the classroom and know what's going on. Okay. Right. So all I wanted from my staff. So I tell them every year, what's your rules? Send it to me. What's your consequences? What's your rewards? So I can support them. And then I say fair, firm, and consistent. I don't care how you get there. Fair, firm, and consistent is going to get you a better culture because it's all about culture, right? Teachers create the weather in their room and the principal has the obligation to help create the culture for excellence across the whole building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I heard somebody say that the teachers are the weather and the principals like the climate. Oh, oh, yeah. look at that. Oh, yeah, wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, right. So here's the interesting thing about principals, building leaders, you have the loudest voice, not because you're the loudest person, your voice is amplified above all others because you're a leader. Mm -hmm. And I try to, I try to impart this on principles and it's really challenging. Everything you say and do supports or erodes culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because everything that the principal says, it's going to be repeated over and over and over again. The principal oh. makes a new rule. I'm going to hear about it as a teacher from the principal oh. and from every person around me. The, 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 yes, they the are megaphone just, is real. Oh, man. The, just the little things that they get, they get quoted, you know what I mean? That, that, are, that are said probably indiscriminately. And all of a sudden that is just a sign to your character as if like, as if like you have it like a tattoo you're like i just happened to say that offhand in a meeting because i was wasn't thinking and now like this is this is just non-stop repeated around there you know we had to, um I'm, yeah, I'm gonna throw it out there oh my goodness to this guy i don't know why I, I do i do repeat this well actually he didn't just say it offhandly it was part of his his um twitter banner so there was there was um uh, uh a leader that i'm familiar with let's say and his <laughs> his twitter banner said um arrogance is where my confidence meets your insecurity. Oh, God. someone you just <laughs> don't want to work for. There's just someone. Uh, and you I'm don't like, want to work that's for. actually not. Nope. No, like arrogance is putting that on your Twitter banner, stupid. That's that's what that is. Like, <laughs> like, like, but no, no, I don't have to be insecure for you to be arrogant. That that, that those I can be, I can be fine, and and you're still arrogant. You know, like but you know. Wow. So, See, I and, know. I, and and I run into that. So I run into that as coaching. I mm -hmm. coach. I coach uh -huh. in Alabama, Oklahoma, Arizona, mm -hmm. wherever they want me, I go. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, so and you right now coach admin, right? Not just teachers. I, I do primarily admin. Yeah. Okay. Primarily admin. I just ran a staff meeting for the first time in seven years because I gave a culture survey that was very lopsided. Mm -hmm. And the principal was willing to let me run the meeting so everyone could speak openly and honestly. Mm -hmm. And they were ready to go at each other. And I had to write a, a tight, I had to run a tight meeting, right? Mm -hmm. A very tight, clear meeting, what I expected oh. to come up. And I know what, I don't know any of these people. And they, but they've chosen sides. Oh, absolutely. Wow. And I said directly to the principal, your staff either loves you or despises you. There is wow. no in between. That is, and so that she is... was willing to let me do that. And so that's, that's a testament to some leaders, right? To yeah. Willingness to let me come in. I'm just, this is an Alabama and I'm just a guy from Boston, right? I'm going right. to come in and run your meeting wow. willing because I'm willing to help and support and not judge and label and try to help her move to a place away from, and she's not arrogant. Well, um, really, was, was she doing something that you felt was, and it could be a good way or a bad way, but I, I, apparently people feel differently. There was kind of like edgy or extreme in terms of like how, school was being run and they caused these people to have such like strong opinions or was it their personality? I, I, I think it was uh, a well-meaning, they, they tend to say well-meaning person mm -hmm. and, uh, but unsure how to really lead. That was the kind of rub and okay. staff has turned over tremendously 
So she's hired a lot of people who feel, you know, some sense of loyalty in your first right, few years right, to somebody. Right. Uh, but the issue okay. with her and a lot of principles is this compliance. Mm-hmm. Stop. The easiest <laughs> thing to do is to run a building, a compliant building. What does that mean? Duty schedules. You have two minutes late. You know, that, that kind of thing. I walked in yeah. your room. You didn't have the objective on the board yet. All those checking the boxes. Yes. Micromanaging stuff. Oh. Yes. God, yes. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> you heard you guys, it here first, folks. I, yes. I'm going to tell you guys a story, and you're gonna, I know you'll appreciate this. Okay, so I'm at a principal's meeting. I'm a principal now. I've been doing this gig for a while. And working with consultants, which I am now one of, okay? And I like these people. And they were with us for a whole year working on data. Then they came back a second year. Halfway through the year, in January, they say to the entire admin team, department heads, building leaders, uh, all teachers have to have learning objectives written on the board. Okay, this is brand new. Mm-hmm. We haven't done this yet. It's yeah. January. I'm a hand raiser. Raise my hand. I said, um, I'm in elementary school. I gotta run for it. They're going to write one for every subject. Yep. I go, you realize it's going to take up almost all of one board. Yep. Raise my hand again. <laughs> who's, who's training the teachers? You are. Raise my hand again. Who's training me? Who's training me? <laughs> <laughs> right? Who's training me? Uh, and so, gentlemen, this is January. Everybody has to do this. We're all supposed to go back to our building departments, tell them to write an objective on the board starting in January with no professional development support. Mm-hmm. I go back to my building. What do I do? I say nothing. <laughs> I say nothing. Okay. It comes to May. We have all grade level meetings. One of my third grade teachers comes back to me who now became an assistant principal. She says to me, Anthony, were you in some meeting in January where everybody was supposed to write an objective on the board and you were supposed to come back and tell us that? I go, Kelly. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because there's nice. no learning objective police. And it was serving no oh, purpose no. besides. And guess, and guess what the people who used it used it as? A gotcha. Yeah, of and course. We totally used it that way. Yeah. And we get inflated with our egos. And what does it mean right. to be in charge? Right. And so I'm always like, one of, my, one of my viewpoints was to be therapeutic. How can I help you? How can I help you? Yeah. I hate that. Speaking of raising hands, I hate, I didn't raise my hand doing this. So they, there was a push in our district as well. Our district, our district is like ridiculously large, you know, and, and so they had an outside committee come through the schools. Right. And they said that 75% of the time that the, um, what was being taught in the classroom was not a standard and i am like that can't possibly be true what what data point so i want to collect like, that right and so i i want to like what's like, the metric but i'm literally what's i'm literally metric? with there are there's literally i'm literally in a room with like i don't know three thousand people at this point because they, oh. they had us go you know like you know this this like you know opening day activity that we had to go to like the like convention center type thing because like in my mind i'm like how long were they in the room? Were what they teaching a prerequisite to the standard that they were going to get to later that day or later that week that they, they couldn't teach that standard because the kids didn't have the prerequisite learning? Like, like, like I want, I can't, you can't just throw that stat out there and then just right. go on and go. So now we're going to blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, no, let's, let's, let's like actually find out like what's happening with that, that thing that you're just saying there. Cause it, it of the time it works every time. Like, do do we need to fire everybody? Because it it sounds like it, you know, we're obviously not teaching what we're supposed to be teaching 75% of the time. I'm just like, so you're, you're going to base your decisions based on that stat. Like, I don't know what to do it next, you know? And so you're conflicted on that. The moment you become conflicted is, I do not have the motivation to do what you want me to do, grow and change. Cause I have questions. Right. Yeah. And if I'm not given the room to ask my questions, yeah. I'm not going to get anywhere. And that's, you're not alone. Yeah. You're the majority mm-hmm. of educators, because we do things every day. Some of it is well-planned and intentional. Some of it is on the fly. Yeah. Right? Uh, completely on the fly. So when anytime gentlemen, I entered a building, I simply asked the staff a number of questions, stuff like, What's your birthday? What's your favorite snack? How can I help you learn? What do you want to learn from me? 
What kind of professional development do you need? I was in one place, they're like, we need discipline. We need in classroom management. I was like, great, I can help you do that. Another place was like, we need writer's workshop. Because we had five slides at the beginning of last school year, and now we're supposed to do writer's workshop, and none of us know have any idea how to do it. And the, and the head of literacy, when she walks through the building, we're all scared because we don't know how to do it, and she can't help us do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just ask, and then you just support. Right. So yeah. the next thing was then that we had to put our objective on the board, and it was told to us, and I don't know how much this came from district and how much came from individual right. principal, whatever, but they wanted us to, um, our standards, I'm sure this is similar in other states. They have like a, a book chapter in verse, like it's like <laughs> NCM, you know, like every letter stands for something, you know, and then it's like 1.34 or 1.3.2, whatever that is. And we were told to like, we had to put in addition to like uh-huh. what the actual thing was, we had to put that on the board. And so like, there are teachers who, when they're told that's what they're supposed to do, they feel this internal thing that I've got to do this every single day. And I remember walking in this teacher's room that the, 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 um, like, I don't know, it's, it's October or whatever. And they are like busy trying to find their, on their little, wherever they've got it, the number and putting the number on the board. And they're like, and I'm like, you're doing that. They're like, they're like, they're like, yeah, that's what we're told to do. I well, said, I put, I put, whatever one I put up there, but I'm not changing that book number, whatever I said. And when they come through my room and they go, well, that's not what you were teaching. I mean, I'll just go. They're not going to know what you're teaching. They're not going to know what the standard means. Well, they, they said they were good. They, they would look it up in the, um, in sure the, mm-hmm. on, on the, on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let me tell you what, okay. So this makes me think of a lot of things that I thought about as a principal. So I appreciate this discussion, right? Go for so, it. uh, uh, there's another dirty word and it begins with an F. It's an F word. Okay. Uh-huh. It's fidelity. So you need <laughs> compliance and fidelity versus what? What do teachers still have, even in this day and age? Autonomy. I'm going to tell you something, gentlemen. Teachers Never... supposed to have autonomy? Listen, I'm going to sh- I'm going to tell you about how you have autonomy. Teachers teach research-based about 900 hours outside of duties and lunch. 900 yes. hours. Okay. As a building leader, I might see you in your room doing your thing, your craft, honing your craft, maybe two. Yes. In high functioning districts, maybe 10. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with the high functioning district as small as they are. Right. That means the teacher's on his or her own 890 hours. Exactly. Shut okay. the door and teach baby. That's why the name, that's why I'm calling my book that <laughs> I got, I got, I got, I got a story for that too. Cause my dad was a teacher too. Okay. So, so, so listen to this. So as a leader, what's my job? My job is to have an impact in your presence that mm-hmm. lasts in my absence. Okay? There you go. Yeah. All right. What was, what, was the, what was Anthony trying to teach me? What was Anthony, what were we trying to do as a group? What's our professional development? How are we feeling supported? How can he support me better? Ask me questions. Challenge my thinking. Bring it on because I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers. And so I, my being a principal the way I was a principal means I was a unicorn. Okay. Did yeah. not many people. I, I was a, I principled, <laughs> I principled with about 60 other principals in four different districts. Okay. I can count maybe five to six that I would want to work with again. Okay. Because we are compliant. We drive fidelity. We dismiss autonomy. We don't talk about race. Guys, we are third school year of pandemic and we're still talking about standardized testing. Are we out of our minds? Are we out of our minds? Relationships drive learning. Relationships drive learning mm-hmm. of adults. So I had to make sure, I had a mentor say this to me, and I knew it, but when he said it, it was awesome. He said, Anthony, you're not going to have student growth without teacher growth. And I was like, you're right. You so I have to be the lead teacher for my entire school mm-hmm. and give my teachers what they need. Yeah. Based upon who they are. So when we did observations, I asked about observations earlier. My first district, man, 42 things I had to check off. I was like, yeah, yeah right. I would, bring, <laughs> I would bring the teacher and I say, pick two, pick two, maybe three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about that and how you can learn and grow. I'm mm-hmm. just driven by learning and growth. There I don't have to show you that I'm the overlord and ding you on things that you don't do. That's a waste of everybody's time. Right everybody's time. So to your point, shut up and teach, close the door and teach. I mean, close the door and teach, right? Yes. So my dad was a teacher, Cambridge, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. He taught all over the place, middle school, elementary school, high school. Okay. He gets to high school. He's not in a good relationship with his uh, supervisor. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. He locks the door on his supervisor. All right. <laughs> he tells him he's going to do it. Don't come to our room. I don't trust you. I don't believe you have the expertise. You haven't taught for years. I don't want you in my room. He comes to the room. Guess what? Door's locked. He bangs on the door. This is high school. Kate goes up to open the door. My father goes, no, sit down. <laughs> wow, what now a the power move. The guy's peeking through one of those little glass doors, you know, and the and the and Doesn't like, have like a master key? No. Didn't come, he went he went away, okay? And then my father would go speak to him and say exactly why. All right. He, that guy came to my dad's my dad died young. That guy came to my dad's funeral because my dad was upfront with him and said it to his face why he didn't believe he should supervise him. So we are in a power relationship as a leader to a teacher. I get I great relationships with my teachers, great relationships because I was investing in them because if I, I invested in them, they were investing in my students. That's a win for me. Yes. Okay. Even though I did that, I'd walk in a room tense. They'd freeze up. Why are you here? What are you doing? What I do mm -hmm. wrong. And I'd, and I'd have to talk them off the ledge. No, no, no. This is just part of my process. This is what I do. Ba -ba 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 -boo. Because I wanted them to learn and grow. I wanted them to make mistakes in my presence. So I share my mistakes with them. Mm -hmm. like that's how you learn and grow together. And that's the opposite of arrogance, vulnerability. Chapter two, I think. Vulnerability <laughs> in the book, right? If you're not willing to be vulnerable with your students, with your staff, they don't see you as human. Yeah. That's a disconnect. When that admin walked in, like my stomach, it's just, I mean, it, yeah. it, I just, I just, I, I just got the nerves. And so I'm not saying this will work for everybody, but hopefully this will work for you. I engage them as much as possible during the lesson. I don't pretend that they're a fly on the wall and I don't know how they all feel about it, but I know it's going to work for me. So I like incorporate them into the conversation. I talk about them, you know, and, um, you know, da, 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 da. And also, I mean. It also helps, hopefully, the kids that don't realize that there's a, an adult in the room, like, you know, realize that, hey, hey someone's here for Mr. Mealy. We might, I might want to, like, you know, not act like a um, fool right now. But um, I think that's great. I think, yeah. like, so as a principal, I would know that about you. Yeah. So I'd expect that when I come into your room. Yeah. Where some don't want to engage at all with me and want me to be that fly on the wall. It was just a matter of, I had this great email. My last year, I was a principal. This teacher she was gone for you know she went out for 10 years she came back to teach She's a great teacher she said to me anthony every time you come to his room it's so exciting that's the word she used oh. and, I, and she wrote that i wasn't afraid to make mistakes in front of you well you know not big mistakes but mistakes right. we could talk about right and i could learn and and she would say like our discussions after the observation would go places i wouldn't even expect mm -hmm. so that's the idea of the excitement not fidelity yeah. not compliance you're a human being. I'm a human being. I'm in charge. I lead. One of my things is to lead you and help you become what you want to become. Because that's what I do with kids. Yeah. Help. Let me help you become whatever it is you want to become. Yeah. We do want to get to funny stories. I feel like we've like got like our foot in the in and out of in and out of the book. But um, and we had like some ideas that we were going to talk about. Is there anything that you wanted to kind of like share about the book to kind of like um, entice our listeners to go out and get the book that we haven't that we haven't gotten to? Because I know we're kind of running sure. out of time here. So, so yeah, um, yeah give, give us give us some give us some nuggets or some applications. If you weren't so interesting, this wouldn't have been a problem. We yeah. could have just gotten to all the bullet points, but you had so. to keep talking about fun stuff. <laughs> so I'll say this about the book. Because I was a different kind of principal, I try to write a different kind of leadership book. Mm -hmm. That's it. So when you look at when if people are interested in you know leading with head and heart and you look at the content page, it's all about culture curation. It's all about equity and love and vulnerability, dignity, empathy, courage. Like these are things they don't teach you in principal school or leadership school or they talk about at all. And so what I try to do is create narratives and stories around those ideals to really show that we can do things a different way, a better way. And given that we're in year school year number three of a pandemic, I thought it was a timely thing to write and a timely thing to do and say. And so the idea is that you can immerse yourself. It's easy to read, super easy. Heck, I even made a book study, an online book study to go with it if people are interested in that. Um, but it's this idea that can we get away from data-driven? Can we get away from standardization? Can we just get back to what it means to learn? Right. Okay. I say this when I present all the time. I've never met a one-year-old child who looks up at me and says, this walking thing, way too hard. <laughs> right? And why is that? Because 
The kid falls down how many times? Hundreds, if not thousands of times. What's the adult reaction? We say, oh, get up. We help the child up. We put our arms out. We back up a few more paces. We hug them when they get to us. We say mm-hmm. encouraging words. We care about development and growth. We think it's awesome and fascinating. We lose that somewhere along the way. We lose that, mm-hmm. right? We lose it. I think more, more teachers should approach it like kindergarten teachers. What is our growth as a human being and as someone who's going to learn academics? And how do we tie those two together? Mm-hmm. How do we release the time element? And in this book, it's just not me. There are great stories about principals, superintendents, and teachers. They're all in here. I mean, I had a middle school principal say to me, we just looked at kids and see what they needed. So if a kid went down two or more grades and two more classes in a middle school, the principal and a counselor met with them and said, hey, what's going on? We noticed you dropped two classes, you dropped two more grades. What's happening? This super, he's a superintendent now. He's in the book. He's in uh, Equity's Promise, chapter six. He's a good guy. And uh, Robert Bowman, Dr. Robert Bowman, they would ask the kids, what's going on? He said, Anthony, I met him. He was doing this for three years. He did it for all 850 kids, by the way. From critical need to 4.0, he categorized them and they met with them. And for the kids with critical need, what's going on? This is what they would say. Homelessness, transience, hunger, sexual abuse, physical abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. So what did we do? We found him a mentor. On on staff, a mentor. The mentor's relationship with that child was whatever they wanted to create, however they wanted to create it. They gave them extra support and the lessons that they needed to learn. It's not that hard. It's not. Can you imagine if your school, and I could have done it in mine and I didn't, if we just categorize the kids, not to categorize them and put them in boxes, but to give them what they need, right. the kids who were at a 3.7 average, they would mm-hmm. say to them, hey, what do you need to get to a 4.0? Right. So it's this idea of giving kids and teachers and adults what they need by being empathetic, mm-hmm. by being courageous, by being these things. And unfortunately, that bucks a bureaucratic system that's bent on compliance and fidelity and standardization. Yeah. And because of that, I had at least two superintendents. I was so effective. This is what I say. I was so effective. I had two superintendents ask me to leave. Nice. <laughs> there you go. So, so I want you to picture this. Okay. I had a superintendent. Now he was this last one I had I'll reserve his name. Can't you would come to our schools and visit us to do walkthroughs, what have you. And I knew he didn't like me because I was a hand raiser. I was a question asker. I was, mm-hmm. I was a demander. I wanted things mm-hmm. right. Okay. You monster. Yeah, I was a monster. I just wanted <laughs> what was best for my kids and my staff. Okay. <laughs> so he, sa- he says to me, this is my third year of this district, Wellesley, Mass. Very high powered. People buy $2 million houses. They knock them down. They build $4 million houses. That's the kind wow. of place it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm pl- about doing that myself anyway. Yeah, me too. Right. Right around the corner. Right. With my big royalty check, little royalty <laughs> check. So anyway, um, you know, it was very high, but we had low income housing, the one low income housing. Those kids came to me. I was an ELL magnet. Those kids came to me. So at my school looked very different from the rest of the district. But he says to me in year three, uh, it's not very successful here. This is in October. I said, really? Tell me about that. What do you mean? He goes, well, there was a budget you were supposed to pass in. It was supposed to be a 2% decrease. You did a 3% and it was a day late. I said, okay, you got me. What else? He <sighs> says to me, well, during an administrative meeting a couple of weeks ago, you didn't give the assistant superintendent the correct eye contact. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gentlemen. Okay. 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 I go, I got okay. your eye contact right here, brother. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. Put your no eyes kidding. down here. Okay. No kidding. Give me some eye contact. Now so back look, off. Listen. So now I'm, now I'm like, all right, so this guy don't like me. He's going to get rid of me. I totally know this now. So I got nothing to lose. All I right. say to him, all right, tell you what, I had two wings to the building, you know, K to three and or K to two and three to five. I said, you can get up from your seat right now in my office. You can walk down either wing. Parent is as a parent, a teacher, kid, ask them if we're successful here. You ask them, and I'll accept anything that they say. He ignores me, keeps talking. I said, no, 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 time out. You didn't answer my question. I said the same thing again. I repeated myself. He goes, I'm not going to do that. I said, obviously not. (laughs) And that's what, so part of what I think teachers have a lack uh, of understanding sometimes is these pressure points that principals are in. And as principals, I never complained to my staff because that's not my job. Mm-hmm. I accepted the job. It's a hard job. I had to put my big boy pants on most days yeah. and do the job. 
But the pressures that we're under from administrators who are just hell-bent on compliance, power, fidelity, they're not talking about love of learning. They're not talking about how we are compassionate with our kids. None of that. And so there's a huge disconnect in this country. And I'm trying to really drive a kind of a little bit of a nail through that now in my next presentations and really talk about growth and hope and how do we get there? Amen. How do we get there? Amen. I think Amen. I think to be a good leader, you have to know the rules well enough that you know how to break them. Bingo. There we go. Because every rule, truth. yeah, every rule you, you need to break at some point yeah, or else the kids will break. Like you got to make that choice. Like, yeah. right. Do we need a rule that says kids can only wear their hair to their below their earlobe and it can't be braided this way oh or that God. way and it can't be dressed? Like, why are we in the weeds with that? Oh, oh I am always goodness. about who are you? Why are you? Yeah. What do you want to become? Look at I taught in Boston, guys. First day, I'm wearing a tie. Okay. It's 100% poverty. Right. Black and brown kids, English language learners, about 80%, right? I wear a tie with little jobs on it. There's a chef, there's a pilot, there's a police officer, an army ranger, baseball player, whole nine yards. And I say to the kids, first day, I know you're only 10 or 11 years old, but we're here to learn. And I hope I give you something that helps you become successful with the rest of your life. I said, we might have the doctor that cures cancer among us and we Amen. don't know it. Okay. Right. So guess what? I go looking for my first class a few years ago. Okay. I go looking and I find about 10 or 12 of them. Okay. I find a girl who's uh, uh, Daniela. She does, uh, she manages uh, offices for 12 dental offices, office manager. Nice. It's a good gig, man. Nice. All right. I find uh, Monet. She works at uh, Education Law Foundation, helping at-risk kids get into college and stay in college. That's another good gig. Awesome. But I also find Isaac, soloist in the Boston Ballet. Wow. He gets me tickets to watch him dance in the Nutcracker. Nice. Awesome. What? Awesome. There you go. All right. I, I find Corey. Corey wanted to be a professional football player. He ends up playing D1 at Stanford, defensive back. He makes it. He gets drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. He makes it to the last cut, but he gets cut. But he graduates Stanford. There you time, go. He's in med school. I said, Corey, you might be that doctor that cures cancer that was in my room. And then I meet Wagner. Wagner was at BC Law, gentlemen, Boston College Law School. Wagner, one of five children. Neither parent spoke English. Immigrants from the Dominican Republic. He's the third out of five kids, the first to go to college, living in one of the poorest neighborhoods. He makes it. I take him out to breakfast. How did you get here, Wagner? I hear his story, right? I hear his story and I feel this is what we need to do. This is our job. The next yep. year we move up. I take him out to lunch and he's waiting on his bar exam. Nice. Okay? Two days later, he sends me, I got a text, Anthony. Uh, he calls me Anthony. We're adults now. He's taller than me too now. He says, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, I just want to let you know I passed the bar exam. I said, Wagner, best news I heard all day, all week, all year. I'm so excited for you. Here, your next chapter. Next, we got to go out to dinner. He's a corporate attorney, gentlemen. Nice. A corporate attorney. My first group of fifth graders. That's our job. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. So sorry. I kind of got my soapbox there. I there you go. There you go. That was perfect. So, do we want to hear a funny story? Do you have a funny story you want to share? Oh, we... dude, I got all kinds of funny stories. Okay. All right. Hit, hit, us, hit, us, hit us with a couple, and then we're uh, going to get out of here. Okay. Uh, it, it, uh, well, uh, let me tell you this one, okay? I have to yeah. tell you this. It's, it's a, so my dad was a football coach and a teacher in Cambridge, Massachusetts. No uh, youth league football. So in ninth grade, they had to teach kids how to put their equipment on. Mm -hmm. You would have kids putting their feet through the shoulder pads. Oh, God. <laughs> Didn't know how to put the, yeah, didn't, didn't know how to put know. the helmet on. Didn't yeah. know how to put the helmet on. Okay. This is what he called these kids. Fungawis. Do you know what Fungawi is? No. Okay. Let me tell you a story about the Fungawis. Down okay. by the Ubangi River, knee uh -huh. deep in caribou crap, is the lost pioneers, the we're the Fungawis. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Did, this right? go, did that go over your head? The we're the Fungawis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. So. Kids who didn't fit in, kids who struggled, and ultimately, lots of them suffered trauma. Mm -hmm. My term of endearment was Fungawi. They nice. didn't know. They didn't know how to sit in the seat. They didn't mm -hmm. know how to participate. They didn't yeah. know how to get their supplies. I used to tell my teachers, if you got to teach a kid to tie his shoes in fifth grade, that's your job. Because right. I taught one in fifth grade how to blow his nose. It took me the whole year. He was on the spectrum. He didn't understand having snot running down his face and arm was something that was disruptive. 
I taught him how to blow his nose. Yeah. I love those kids. I love all my kids. I love those kids the most. You know why? Because yeah. what you do for the least of us, you do for all of us. There you go. Okay. And so these kids, places of endearment for me, endearment. Mm-hmm. I love these kids, but they're funny as mm-hmm. well. So I got one. Okay. Go for it. Third grade. I'm teaching uh-huh. third through fifth grade, third grade reading level. So he's my advanced kid. Okay. And his, he's about, I want to say he's about four feet, two inches. He weighs about a buck 50 and he has uh, jeans that are size 40, like 22. Like he's got a 40 waist, and like 22 weight. Wow. Wow. And he talks like this and I'm not kidding. He talks like this. Oh, wow. And I love this kid. <laughs> I love this kid. And this kid loves to participate every single day. Mr. Colony, I have something I need to share today. <laughs> and he's sharing every day and I love him. Okay. So we're talking about chitlins one day because it's in the story. And I don't know why chitlins came up. And he says to me, Mr. Colonino, I know what chitlins are. I know what chitlins are. And I'm like, no, I'm good. You don't have to show. No, let me show you. And he stands up and he waves that kind of big little butt in front of us. Oh, my goodness. He takes his finger and runs it down his crack of his butt and says, it's the crack, Mr. Colonino. Oh my it's the God. crack of the pig, Mr. Colonino. Oh, my goodness. And I said, thank you so much for sharing with us today. <laughs> That's the I love that kid. And oh that kid's God. that kid's best friend was about five foot six in third grade and weighed about oh hundred pounds. Oh my goodness. So it was like Laurel and Hardy. Yes. In my reading <laughs> class every single day. Every single day. Every single day. So the other interesting thing that I found as a principal was walking therapy. So, gentlemen, you know, you teach, okay? When kids need to be removed from the classroom, sometimes mm-hmm. it's very difficult. I would call them threshold kids. They mm-hmm. don't want to cross the threshold out. And then when you get them out and you debrief and you talk to them and you bring them back, they don't want to cross it to go back. Yeah. I've had kids stop right at the threshold after we had a great discussion, ready to go back to class. So it's just walking therapy with kids. This kid had a high voice too. Oh my God. Shocking. Too high pitched voice. Second grader though. And so there's something up with this kid. He's a fungawi. There's just something up with him. He draws these weird pictures of people in loincloths all the time. There's just something going on with them. Okay. And we're trying to get to the heart of it. Me and the counselor. And we're talking to him, talking to him in the office. Then we decide, all right, enough time. He's not sharing. Let's walk him back. And so he's talking to us on the way back. And he says to us, and if you get to the threshold of the door, he's about actually to cross the threshold, walk back to the class. He turns to face us and he says to us, you know, sometimes my dad yells at my mom and threatens her and it kind of scares me and just walks into the classroom. Gone. Oh, into the classroom. Drops he waited the to the very last moment to drop yeah. the bomb. So that he could get out of heaven to like answer any more faces, questions. To face it. To yeah. face that bomb. And it, it's just one of these things that is just, I found as a principal, these are my learnings. This is what I'm here to learn. This is why I'm here to help to do this. But I'm also here to have a hell of a lot of fun with, while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with the kids, it was all about, you know, who are you? Who am I? Who are we together? What does it mean to be from here? What does it mean to learn here, lead here, teach here? And so, you know, we do things. I had kids read a ton of books and I kiss a pig if they read a ton of books. <laughs> well, they read two tons. So I kissed two pigs and I wrote one of them an ode. Okay. Nice. So in kids, we call those things. I turned myself into a human hot fudge Sunday one time with the hot fudge, the strawberry, the sprinkles, the whipped cream. Nice. Gentlemen, I was pulling sprinkles on my ears for like two days. Two nice. days. Least, nice. Okay? But it's this idea that you need to have a presence as a teacher and a leader with your kids. They have to identify with you and understand you and have fun with you. That's not, I have more fun stories, but they're not really coming to mind right now. I'm doing that's okay. That's oh, okay. We're good. Stuff. Every teacher has a million fun stories for every year they've been teaching. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's just why, like our, our boy uh, Matthew Dick says, you need to write them down every day. Please listen to that episode. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Matthew Dick, I'm on it now, man. I'm yes. on it. Oh, he, that's he's, a, he's, he's, he's really good about stories. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's the thing. So my book's about stories. Yeah. My book's about stories. It's just about stories about dealing with difficult kids, challenging kids. How do we be equitable? How do other people, how have they done it better than me? What can we learn from those people? There we go. And so, you know, the, that's that's the idea behind the book. If it was about me, I'm not that egotistical, guys. I'm just not. It's just, it's the principle. It, it's not about you, but it is about you. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the reality of it. You have to be the face of the school and, you know, but it's really how you cultivate those relationships and curate that culture together. And that's when I loved it. When teachers would say to me, 
this is how we roll, Anthony. There this is go. how we roll. This is how we do things here. So, and they had, they said it, not me. Mm-hmm. We really, we really, really appreciate your time and coming on here. For those of you like that have heard us mention the book, you just open up in your phone. There's the app. There's a click. It takes you right there, and you just, and you just, and you just buy it. Okay, it's 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 that easy. Woo-hoo. Okay, all right. So that's that's it's it's there. So um, go ahead and do that, and um, you know, you got something. Summer's coming up, and you can have some summer reading to kind of get you going, um, or whatever. So anyway, and if you and if you want him to come to your school, we'll have like his contact info down there. And he's on Twitter. Um, it's the easiest way to contact you on Twitter or on a website. Or what's the easiest way? Someone says, Hey, we want you to come to our school and, and um, help us out. The, uh, we have uh, my website, which is leading and teaching for growth.com. Okay. Pretty simple. And AJC mindset is my Twitter. I co- I go wherever I'm invited, gentlemen, you okay. invite me, I'm coming. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And um, anything else you want to add before we uh, jump off here? No, I just appreciate the time. I really do. I had a good time. I hope I was a good guest for you guys. Oh, yeah, you were awesome. Oh, you it was awesome. awesome. Thank you yeah, so much. Yes, thank we you, appreciate thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. As we always I, say I at the end, stay unprofessional. All right. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you and stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. <laughs>